Welcome to Stay Gold in Outsiders Podcast. I am Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. We are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, his re-release of his 1983 film, The Outsiders, with additional content, additional footage. But we are watching it in five-minute segments, so we have made it to... The 85-minute mark of the movie. Today we're going to be talking about minute 85 to minute 90. But before we jump into the five minutes, Esme, can you remind us where we've been in a little segment we call Previously on Stay Gold. In the last five minutes, we start with Ponyboy and 2-Bit talking to Dally in the hospital about Johnny and the Rumble. Um, On the bus ride back to the Curtis house, um, 2-Bit notices that Ponyboy is looking sick and Ponyboy worries about something going wrong um, that night with the rumble. Um, and then when they're walking from the bus back to the Curtis house, they encounter Cherry Valance and Cherry tells 2-Bit that it's going to be a fair fight. There'll be no weapons. And then she has a private conversation with Ponyboy about how Bob was misunderstood. Um, and then we go back to the Curtis house Ponyboy is in the bathroom looking at his face in the mirror, and he asked Soda Pop when he and Derry started shaving, and that is right when we cut off. Right, because we get the answer to that question at the beginning of mm-hmm. this um, of this five minutes. So Ponyboy is still inspecting his face in the mirror, and Soda Pop, who's in the background playing cards with Steve, answers the question by saying that Derry started shaving when he was 13. And then Soda asks if he's planning on growing a beard for the Rumble. And at this point, the camera swings. And it reveals that what we thought was us, the camera being the mirror, looking at um, Ponyboy and Soda Pop and Steve, that actually the camera was kind of Ponyboy's point of view looking into the mirror. So the camera swings around and we realize now we actually see Ponyboy Mm -hmm. and... um, and Soda and Steve. So it's just a cool shot of like yeah. thinking you're at one perspective and then flipping it around um, on the other. Uh, and Pony says, oh, you're funny. We ought to send you into Reader's Digest or something. I heard they pay a lot of money for funny things. Book line? Yeah. Funny? No. No. Um, yeah, this is, yes, we'll we'll beat the drum again. Essie Hinton. Uh, among many things she's good at, humor is not uh, high on that list. Yeah. Are you aware of what Reader's Digest is? I mean, there's no reason you should be as a person yeah, of your age and generation. Um, kind of. Okay. A little bit. So it was a magazine, I think that came out, like a small magazine that came out, I think once a month. Yeah. And it would have like short, I think sometimes, I think sometimes it would have like, compressed versions of of like stories so like shorter Mm -hmm. versions uh it would have like true stories and then it would Mm -hmm. also have jokes in it Um, yeah so yeah so you know you can sell soda pop to reader's digest because they pay good money for funny things the only thing i know about reader's digest is of what homer simpson explains it as oh and what does he say he says um it's not just one magazine they take hundreds filter out all the crap and leave you with um one small magazine you can fit in your pocket yep that actually pretty much sums up reader's Mm -hmm. digest i grew up in a home that for a while at least subscribed to reader's digest which is a funny Hmm. a funny thing 
to think about. Um, so Steve and Soda start arm wrestling at the table. And um, one of the, and this will be a theme for this five minutes. I think Cruz is pretty intense with the arm wrestling. Yeah. Um, he's just, it seems like he's just excited to be on screen. So he's definitely like, bringing it. It seems like they're really arm wrestling. Well, I think so. Yeah. I think they are. Yeah, for real. Um, so Pony asks Soda why he likes fights. And Soda says it's a contest, like drag racing or dancing or something like that, which is an interesting answer because dancing is not really a con. I mean, you there, you can have dancing contests. <laughs> well, he but- says or a dance, not dancing. Is a dance con- a contest? But like, go- I don't know. Some way he sees going to a dance as a contest. Oh, maybe. In the book, I was like, I don't know exactly how that works, but sure. Yeah. I mean, he there, sees it that way. There are competitive dance, dancing. And but I don't think that's like what that. he means. Yeah. I, yeah. Although, you know, canonically, Soda Pop is not uh, the always the sharpest of people. So, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Emotionally, he's strong, but yeah. <laughs> um, so Steve says, I like it too. Um, he says, uh, we're going to beat them Socia's heads in, ain't we? When I get into a fight, I want to stomp. I like it too. So nobody <laughs> asked Steve, but Steve's going to answer the question anyhow. Yeah. Um, and on saying this, Steve slams Soda's hand to the table to win the match. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Pony Boy asks Derry why he likes fights. And we see Derry is shirtless in jeans and he's getting ready for the rumble. So we're kind of watching him get dressed. Um, and before Derry can answer, Soda Pop pipes in. Um, and I noticed at this point, and although this is true for earlier in the scene too, he has a $1 bill folded behind his left ear. Yeah. And not like on top of his ear, but be- literally behind his ear. Yeah. I just, I don't think I've ever seen somebody put anything there. And it's funny too, because later in the scene it like falls and he doesn't really notice. It seems like huh. he doesn't notice. So that's just a, an interesting yeah. little detail. Somewhere in that house, there's a dollar bill on the ground and no one's claimed it. That's right. It is sitting there. Maybe at the Outsiders Museum, there is a folded dollar bill sitting there. Just That you would know. be actually kind of cool. Um, so anyhow, Soda Pop says that uh, he likes to show off his muscles. And Derry says, hey, I'm going to show them off on you, little buddy, if you get any mouthier. Um, now, we noticed as we were rewatching this that in the background of this conversation between Pony and Derry... You have 2-Bit, and he's sitting there drinking a beer. And then what does he do? Okay, it looks like he puts the beer down, takes one of his shoes, puts it on top of the beer can, takes another beer can, puts it in the shoe, then takes the other shoe and puts it on top of the beer yeah, can. Yeah, so he's like building like a balancing She's Jenga tower little... out of beer cans and shoes. Yeah, it's like... It's... It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's funny, too, because of, like, the color of the beer can. You don't see it right away. So the first time I watched it, it looks like he was just holding his shoe and looking. I'm like, what is he doing? Exactly. That's what I thought, too. And then I was watching. I'm like, oh, he's, like, building a tower. Why? It's kind of mesmerizing to watch. Now, what I wonder is, was that... A direction point given, or was they were they just like, hey, do something in character in the background? Because he has no lines here. He's just kind of waiting for stuff to happen. Do you know why he doesn't have any lines? Why? Because in the book, he's not supposed to be there. They're supposed to be sitting around waiting for him before they leave. 
And then I think it was just like, he doesn't have any lines, so he has to be doing something that is kind of stupid and kind of childish and that he would maybe be like doing it with putting all of his concentration into it. Sure, sure. So and he's like, just not involved in what's yeah, happening. Yeah, he's just like zoned out doing that, which plausible. So then Derry suggests uh, to Pony that maybe he shouldn't be in the rumble. And Pony says, how come? I've always come through before. And Derry says, yeah, but you were in shape before. So Derry's, I guess this is again, Derry being kind of concerned about his health. He says, you ain't looking so good. You're tensed up all the time. Mm-hmm. And Soda joins in and says, let him fight. Everyone's tensed up before a rumble. It's skin against skin. He ain't going to get hurt, is he? Um, now, I always find it interesting that, like, like Soda is so often a counterpoint to dairy. Whatever dairy's saying, Soda is kind of like pushing in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, we, we need to acknowledge the uh, the phrase uh, skin against skin. Yeah, not Which a is fan. from the book. I don't like the sound of that. I don't like that. it. Yeah. That just means there's no weapon. So it's just yeah. basically punching and wrestling. But, but it's it sounds not. Yeah. I don't I, it I, sounds kind of I don't gross. love it. Yeah. Um, I also just like to say I find it so weird that it's like, why is he getting dressed in the living room? Well, he's Throughout, putting his shirt on in the living he's room. He's putting his shirt on, but then also like because he's tucking the shirt in, like his pants aren't fully on. It's like, why is he doing that there? Well, okay, think about it. Like this is very if, if we talked in our last episode how um, we got to win this for Johnny has a sports element to it, yeah, you know, a, a sports movie feel. This is a locker room scene, mm-hmm. so like, like that's the way to think about this. Is like they're just they're all a bunch of guys in a locker room, and he's getting suited up for the for the yeah. rumble like that that really is the feel of this scene it is like it doesn't feel weird but then when i was thinking i'm like why seems odd but it's... i mean if their mom was there it would seem weird if they if they had like <laughs> guests over or sisters or anything it would seem weird but like a bunch of guys yeah, that that's you know yeah. maybe not the 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 biggest deal in the world um so, you know, Soda wants, says he should be able to fight. And then Pony says he'll just grab a little one in the fight. To try to find a small Soshin and fight him. And Derry says, well, we'll need every man we can get, but I don't know. And Pony says if it were knives or chains or something, it would be different. And Derry finally relents. Um, and then Pony points to Soda, Bop, Soda Pop and asks Derry why he isn't worried about him. And Derry says, man, that's one kid, brother, I ain't got to worry about. This kid can use his head, at least for one thing, to grow hair on. And he sort of grabs Soda and gives him, like, a noogie on his head. And then Derry runs out the door and everyone else follows after him. And we get another kind of, like, I couldn't place it rock song kicks in. That's, again, an instrumental. There's a lot of, like kind of surf guitar instrumental. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing I would say most is it sounds like some of the instrumental guitar guitar stuff from a movie like Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. um, in, in, in that's used here because we get one song and then as the rumble kicks in, we're going to get another song. Um, so along with kind of the period like Elvis stuff, there's a yeah. lot of this that gets added um, that gets added in here. Um, is that, is that joke from Daria book joke? Yeah. Okay. You sound disappointed every time. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's just, I feel bad 
because it's not funny, but I do really like Essie Hinton as a writer, and I don't want to criticize her on anything. Or or is it that these characters aren't supposed to be funny? Although she's not funny it's, in any of her books. Yeah, so. it's all of her books. It's There's so many things where it's like, I didn't get that that was a joke, but okay, sure. All right, so- uh, Or we, maybe like f- where she is from, that- is like a sense of humor that's funny. Or maybe in the 60s it maybe was funny. Maybe in the 60s. Yeah. I, Who knows? I, 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 maybe, I don't know. Maybe when this book first got published, people thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're just in it. We're, we're products of a different time and a different yeah. culture. So we cut to outside the Curtis house, and we see the gang running out uh, basically onto the street. Now, as they run out, Derry does like a... <clears throat> a handstand on the chain link fence. Yeah. Um, and Steve does a back somersault off the hood of the Curtis car, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because we've seen Steve try this earlier and fail. Um, but this is also f- f- connects to the book, right? Because yeah. the book talks about how, is it Derry that's studied gymnastics? Yeah. He like took a course at the Y, I think, of like different acrobat stuff and then spent an entire summer teaching all of them how to do it and then in the book it's like all of them when leaving the house do some kind of flip off the stairs flip or cartwheels or something clearly then in the movie they did not all know how to do it and there's actually this kind of funny moment where roblo gets on the hood of the car and then just jumps off yeah he wasn't building up to anything he just jumps off so so we we see that um Swayze who is a train trained at ballet is able to do like that handstand. Uh I think Cruz has some gymnastics training as background cuz I know in the uh 19 is it 91 92 movie The Firm he does like back handsprings or something mm-hmm. um as as sort of part of the part of the movie so um he must have a little bit of gymnastics uh, background yeah. in him but uh uh, but he nails the uh, the back somersault off the off the car. So as funny as it seems, like it actually it would be funnier if they did what's in the book, which is if all of them started doing gymnastics, it would be very funny. Yeah. But that's that's actually what happens in the book. Um, so as they walk down the street, they're kind of hooting and hollering, trying to psych each other up. So Ponyboy jumps on Derry's back. And Steve is more intense that the other than the others that sort of getting everybody riled up. Yeah. This Cruz is out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah, like he's he is like a, a like a super hyperactive kid in a manic state. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And it's also funny too cuz I feel like both with this and kind of the part in the house, I feel like Estevez isn't there. You know? Yeah. Because in the book, it's way more like Two Bits, the one that's like really hyped up and getting the energy going and like being really crazy. And then in the movie, like you watch him and he's like in this He cracks weird, open a beer. Like yeah, that's what he he's does. in this like weird zoned out state in the house. And then it seems like he never then gets to the hyped up moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this also matches if you follow Cruz's career. He's like a crazy intense person. So mm-hmm. he learns... You know, like like if he's gonna 
play a part where his character jumps out of an airplane, Cruz is going to be the one to jump out of the airplane. If, when he's in The Color of Money, he actually learns how to do all these tricks with pool cues and learns how to play nine ball. Like, like he's intense yeah. in general. He's an intense person, and it's like he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. So if they're like, be intense and hyped for this, like he's he will do it over the top. Now it's believable because you have people in life who are like this, yeah. Um, but he is like manically intense. Yes, and like it, yeah. He it's actually a really good acting performance because yeah, like that would make sense that it's like before this big thing. And you have a lot of adrenaline and are, like, really hyped up and you just kind of are yelling. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in this scene, the music is kind of pitched up louder than, I feel like, other parts of the movie where, Mm -hmm. to the point where it's almost hard to make out what they're saying, which I actually kind of like. Like, you feel like you're almost in the, the, like, the the buzz of pre-rumble where... A conversation's going on, but it's it's really kind of like it's it's hard to make out what Derry's saying. So Derry tells Soda Pop and Pony Boy to run if the fuzz shows up. He says we'll get jailed, but you two will get sent to the boys' home. And then Steve, out of his mind, crazy, just yells, "Ain't nobody gonna call the fuzz in this neighborhood because they know better." He screams it. Yeah, it is. Maybe that's why the music is so loud, is they're trying to drown out this it's moment. It's so funny. It's it's amazing, and he's insane. So we see the greasers uh, walk into the vacant lot, and there are cars already parked there and a bonfire going. And we see lots of other greasers are standing around, talking, drinking, um, and what I like about this is you get this sense of like, oh, this greaser community is much larger than kind of the like the Curtis gang or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Derry walks up to Tim Shepard. Uh, they greet each other and Tim looks at Pony, Pony Boy and says, you and the quiet kid were the ones who killed that Soch, right? <laughs> good going, kid. Curly always said you were a good kid. And then Pony Boy kind of looks at Derry. Curly's in the reformatory for the next six months. <laughs> so we learn a little bit about Curly's estimation of Pony, but also a little bit about Curly right yeah, there. Yeah, in the book, there's actually, like, they get into his character more. And for one thing, Derry tells them at the house that Curly's in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also get in the narration this story from Pony Boy about him and Curly. And, like, he actually kind of talks about how, like, he kind of liked Curly, too. But also knew that he was like he was like Tim and was like more of the stereotypical greaser and yeah yeah maybe a little more rough around the edges yeah. even than their own crew um so then we cut to the other side of the lot and we see the Soch cars start pulling up there's I tried to count there's at least five or six cars mm-hmm. so we cut back and forth between the cars pulling up and the greasers watching and we see the socias start to get out of the cars and congregate together. And then we get this great panning shot kind of from left to right of the faces of the greasers. And our main characters are mostly in the front as they look at and kind of size up the socias. Um, and I just think that's such a cool shot because you see the characters you're familiar with and you see characters you have never met all kind of on equal footing as we're panning across. So it gives you a mm-hmm. sense of like who these people are and, and, and kind of the size of 
at least one um one side in this rumble and, yeah. and there's a lot of just like unique faces like i like mm-hmm. you know i like movies about faces and there's definitely like a lot of unique faces as they pan yeah. across it's also a little funny too just because like especially with the people who aren't like the characters we know there's it's very clear that it's like they picked a pose and then stuck with yep. it well that's probably what they were told to that's do what too. they were yeah. told but it is kind of this funny thing of like they are all in a certain pose and yeah. it's a little funny but it also comes off as like it's really cool like they yeah yeah they did it right there's this sort of it does have like a modeling photo shoot vibe to it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so then we start to see uh, a shot of the socias walking towards them um, and, and walking towards the camera. And they're all dressed in khakis and polos, sweaters, letter jackets. Um, they are dressed up. Yeah. I mean, the, like, they, but, but that's how she she yeah. delineates them by that, you know, in part. Mm-hmm. It's also a kind of like, you're going to wear, like, light pants to this? Okay. Well, it's what they have. Sure. You yeah, know? it's what they have. Their, but... their, their moms will do their laundry for them. so <laughs> or, or buy them new pants if they get... You know, mm-hmm. if they get ripped up or something like that. But you get this sense of like, um, you know, two. There's something like ancient about this, like two armies approaching each other, yeah. you know, for hand to hand combat, almost like these are Greek phalanxes or something. Um, and then t- it's kind of how she talks about it. And I, I sort of like that. Yeah. Um, so we cut back to the greasers line and Derry says to Pony Boy, the odds are as even as we can get. You stay close to me. Uh, and as the two lines approach each other, Derry is kind of front and center in the greaser line. And then there's a big guy in a letterman jacket at the center of the social line facing him. And he says, hello, Daryl, long time no see. And Derry says, hello, Paul. And we cut back to Tim Shepard, who asked 2-Bit, kind of, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, these two seem friendly with each other. And 2-Bit says, they used to buddy around together and play football. Um... So there's more to this in the book. And I think this yeah. is this is something I really like in the book. There's actually so much in the book of this part of okay, for one thing, when they first get there, Pony Boy has this moment of almost panic of like none of them should be there. They don't belong with these other greasers. And then like when Derry first goes to like kind of size up Paul, he talks about how like Derry's gonna go places and it's gonna get out of this neighborhood and Ponyboy will too and then there's this whole thing about how Ponyboy talks about how like Paul and Derry were like really good friends in school and they were like both on the football team together and Derry hates Paul now because Paul went to college and is like having a good life and has what Derry wants and then Ponyboy even says the thing of like how Derry is embarrassed and ashamed to be seen with on the greaser side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you you get this real sense, and this goes back to what uh, Two Bit said uh, when they were at the the bus stop in the last the last episode, where he says, you know, the only thing that keeps Derry from being a soch is us. Yeah, and we we have this moment where it's like there is such a thin line between Paul and Derry, like like. Had things had had their parents not died, perhaps Derry goes to college and plays football. Like, like there yeah. there are, there are all of these these like kind of sliding doors moments, and we see it as these two kind of face each other. I also really like the guy who plays Paul. Like he like Derry looks older. 
you know they they both they both look like they're a little bit older than than the rest yeah. of this crew um he looks like a football player i mean mm-hmm. he looks he looks big um there's just something there's something about the way that he carries himself so um i i yeah i, I find that guy really interesting so his that actor's name is um uh J- i think it's john c meyer let me check that but i think that's what it is um and it's interesting because he works on the film yes john c meyer he works on the film as uh, a stuntman so he's a he's a stuntman for um on the film the outsiders and he actually that's most of his career in hollywood he's part of i think 213 film productions working as a stuntman or stunt coordinator for tons and tons of movies you've definitely seen movies he's worked as a stunt coordinator on Hmm. i think he has about 25 or so acting roles i think they're mostly things like this where it's like we need somebody to play, you know, cop number three, especially if that person needs to do something stunt related. But he's like a stunt double, a stunt man, a mm. stunt coordinator. Um, so a really, really fascinating guy. Um, and I think he's I just I really like him in this scene. I mean, he has yeah. he has two lines, but but um, he looks right. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks right for his character. And I love the thought of like in the book, there is this sense of like how's the rumble going to start? Like there, ha- there yeah. it feels like there's like rules about how it starts and it mm-hmm. starts with each side having so- like, like, like somebody's got to be the person who starts it for that mm-hmm. side, which also makes me think about, and this gives it this sort of timeless thing. It makes me think about like, again, ancient, the ancient world and thinking about like the ancient Greeks and especially something like Homeric about this, you know, yeah. in, in, in the Iliad you have, these big armies but it's all about like these hero figures who face each other in battle in front of these armies and things like this and seeing Derry and paul there there is this sense that it's like achilles and hector or something like i really i i love that in the book and the movie doesn't get into that but you do have some sense of this as these two face each other yeah um it is like just this great moment yeah of that and it also is so interesting too to think about like there are rules to this. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of is played up of like, oh, it's this gang fight. It's this like really violent thing. But like, there are rules to this. Mm-hmm. And there's like an expected you come and you do this. You follow these rules. In the book, when like the socialists first show up, they like go over the rules together. And then they're like, all right, who's going to start this thing? Mm-hmm. And then in the book too, there's this thing where like, Derry and Paul like circle each other for like a minute Mm -hmm. and it's like once the first punch is thrown then it starts but everyone stands and waits and watches right so so when I first saw this movie I thought that's what was going to happen here Uh, the book or the movie does a little bit differently Um, so uh, uh, Paul says to Derry I'll take you and before anything can happen we hear a voice of someone running in and yelling, you know it ain't a rumble without me, and in runs Dally Winston. So and when as he runs in, we get a new up-tempo song kick in. Um, this is kind of guitars, and we're going to eventually hear organ in this as well. Uh, we cut to a close-up of Pony Boy's face, and a fist <laughs> comes into frame and punches him, knocking him backwards to the ground. 
there is a gif of this and it's like kind of slowed down and it's so funny because his you don't really see it in the movie because it happens too fast but his arms like kind of flail out and yeah he no falls. he's like dropped into the air to the ground <laughs> he falls punch. fully down it's so funny um so the guy who punches him then sort of climbs on top of him and starts to swing and at this point it's just kind of bedlam everybody starts fighting in the park so there is still still that idea of like once the first punch is thrown it's go time yeah for everybody but it's sort of random that the first punch is this swing at pony boy yeah in the book what it is is when dally comes and runs in Derry turns to see who it is and then paul hits Derry. okay which like it makes me really hate paul because that seems like not cool well, but if they, but in the book they've been circling each other for a minute, <laughs> yeah. so it's like they're waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah, so. but it is just kind of like wow when his back is turned. But. Yeah, yeah. So that is the end of the five. You've talked a lot about the book. We both talked a lot about the book. Are there other book things you want to mention here? The big thing is that with the book, this scene is so much more meaningful. Because it gets into Ponyboy's whole thing of, like, they shouldn't be there. Derry's going to get out of here eventually. Derry hates Paul for all these reasons. It gets into all this stuff, and it's, like, this really deep moment, and it's this huge thing in the book. And then in the movie, you can't have that. Right. So it plays off so different in the movie, but, like, you couldn't really do it. So what you get in the movie instead is you get Ponyboy saying, I think something bad's going to happen tonight. But you also see Ponyboy pleading to want to fight, mm-hmm. um, but you don't get any of the other turmoil. Yeah, I think I think it loses yeah. some richness. But you're right. I don't know how you do that without mm-hmm. like without a voiceover. Yeah. Which even then, it's kind of these long descriptor things. Yeah, you and you to do the voiceover, you'd have to do the voiceover as they were walking to the camp. Or not yeah. the camp. Well, I guess there's a fire. So like as yeah. you were walking to the lot or once they got there, you'd need to just have a lot of shots of them like standing, standing around, around so yeah. you could do voiceover over it, which might have worked, but you'd have to do it so quick that I don't know. And they, yeah, even they with... don't employ voiceover much here. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's hard because like for that reason, I don't really like that this as much because you lose all this stuff from the book but it's like it's not their fault because what could they have done so if they had if they had thrown just kind of like at Windricksville with the sun the sunrise because that's such an important moment if they had thrown like the handwriting up in the sky you know done that and and given like 45 seconds of voiceover would you been okay with that or would that like ruin the moment? It would have ruined the moment for okay. me too. That's the thing. So too. there's just if, not like, a solution. In if your you would have done voiceover, it would have ruined the moment. It would have felt weird. And again, it would have had to been like you'd have to somehow create a like they're standing around, nothing's really happening. But that's what was happening before they got there. Was yeah. A, every, Although, so like you just if you did the scene of them circling each other, and then did some of that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. That could maybe work. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like that That's idea. That's like, yeah. Because it seems like an absurd amount of time in the book that they're circling. Yeah. And you could use that for, for Pony Boy to like just get into his thoughts mm-hmm. and, and do the like letters in the sky thing. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Plus you would also 
have that tension tension build up of when's the first swing gonna come. Yeah, and, and even you could Pony, do the, you could do shots of going back and forth of like Darian Paul's face, yep. or do the overhead shot of them circling. Mm-hmm. And and even God. like Pony Boy's voiceover would get interrupted by Dally. Yes, like that would be great. Oh, I think you just solved that little piece mm-hmm. there, you know, because they've already broken the idea that there there is voiceover because they've done it the one time. Yeah, this one other time might might work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could work. So, it could work, man. If you were scoring this on a scale of zero to ten in terms of its fidelity to the book, I want to give it like a seven. It is really true to the book in like what they say, but they just so much is lost. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it a really high score. Sure, sure. You're still you're still a pretty soft grader though. That you're yeah. Still well, again, give it a seven. it's like I've just seen so many bad movie adaptations from sure. books where they change things. Sure. And this movie doesn't change things. It cuts things out, changes lines a little bit, has things like this where it's like you just lose stuff because you don't have the narration. But it doesn't change things. Sure. No, I, I seen, buy that. I've seen movies where they change the ending. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I'm being real nice with this because I have a very, like, low bar. Sure, sure. Should we uh, do a little deep dive here? Yeah. This is a triple deep dive um, because we've talked about most of the the prominent actors in this movie, but I wanted to do a deep dive really quickly on three people. And we're calling this people who might be in the film Mm -hmm. Um, because as I was reading about this, there are three other... Um, interesting folks who claims are made that they're either were in the film but were cut out or they are in certain scenes in the background but you can't you can't exactly tell um, so I just want to I want to point these out because they're they're three pretty interesting people so the first one is Michael Peter Balzari which nobody should know that name but he's also known professionally as flea born October 16th 1962. Um, he is one of the founding members of the rock band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's the basis for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, along with being a musician, though, uh, he's also been featured in small parts in uh, more than 30 films. Uh, these include such notable titles as Less Than Zero, Back to the Future 2 and 3, My Own Private Idaho, and The Big Lebowski. Um, and according to Wikipedia and IMDb, Flea is listed as being one of the Soshas who fight with Ponyboy and Johnny in the park. Um, and uh, this role, this uncredited role, if it's true, marks his first film appearance. So that's one person, Flea. Another is Melanie Griffith, born August 9th, 1957 in New York. She's an Academy Award-nominated actress for her role in 1990, 1988's Working Girl. Some sites, including Wikipedia, claim that she has a brief uncredited appearance in The Outsiders as just another Soch girl. So I'm assuming this would be at the um, at the movies at the movies because that's really the only place we see yeah that. So or some random background. Thing. Yeah, apparently that's there. Um, and then third and most interesting is Nicholas Cage. So he's born January seventh, nineteen sixty four, as Nicholas Coppola. He's the son of August Coppola, Francis's brother. So he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Um, Cage's first film credit was a small part in 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Now, according to IMDb trivia, Cage auditioned for the role of either Derry or Dallas or both. Um, and he did some method acting for the part by locking himself in a room for two weeks, 
drinking beer and staring at a photograph of Charles Bronson, hoping that the physical and mental attitude of playing a thug would rub off on him. Um, so he does this, uh, according to this account, and he uh, auditions for the role of Derry or Dally and doesn't get them. Now, you might be thinking, oh, you know, this is his uncle. You know, is he just trying to kind of use nepotism? I mean, the fact that he goes by the name Nicholas Cage is because he actually wants to succeed on his own merits, mm-hmm. not just be, you know, a Coppola who's in Coppola movies. Um, other accounts say he auditioned for the role of Two-Bit. Um, many sources, including Wikipedia, claim that he is in the rumble scene. So he's somewhere in this. Now, I have gone through this scene. I definitely got, went through the pan of all the greasers. And he's I not a greaser. I don't see him there. Um, Unless... With the socias, it's hard to see. You know what? With the greasers, there's one guy who, before they do the panning shot, because there's like a parked is car. Is walking? No, he gets on the hood of the car and is standing there. Oh, yeah. And then after they do the panning shot, you see him jump off yeah. of it. So unless he's that guy, he's a Sosha. Yeah. So if the, he's in it. And with the Soshas, it's hard to get a good look at them. Yeah, you I did, never get a good look I did at a them. lot of pausing, so I didn't see, but there's lots of claims that he is in this he is definitely in the 1983 film Rumblefish by Francis Ford Coppola. He actually has a major role in that. Cage goes on to star in at least 114 films, um, has twice been nominated for Best Acting Oscar, winning in 1996 for Leaving Las Vegas. Now, the reason I want to talk about Cage here is because a few episodes ago when we were talking about Randy and I was saying, you know, really they should have had Tom Cruise play Randy and they could have expanded that scene and he would have been great at that. We talked about who would then play Steve. I think Nicolas Cage would have been great as yeah, Steve. Yeah, I think that could have worked so, out. So that's my fix here is we, we we make Cruz Randy and we put Cage in as Steve because Cage also has some pretty crazy movie energy. Mm-hmm. Esme, let's give out an award here. This is one of the more interesting who wins the fives because this is... Uh, really a pretty ensemble scene. There's lots of people in this. There's a lot of people. Nobody has like a big dominant part. There's no big speech that somebody makes. Um, so let me just run through some opportunity or some people here. This is an opportunity for Ponyboy Curtis, C. Thomas Howell to potentially win. I mean, just because it's it, yeah. nobody has a standout here. We have Patrick Swayze as Dairy, Rob Lowe as Soda Pop, Emilio Estevez as Two Bit. Tom Cruise as Steve, Matt Dillon as Dally running in at the very end, uh, Glenn Withrow as Tim Shepard, um, and then John C. Mayer as Paul, I think. you know, I, Those yeah. are all the people that I think could potentially win. Those are all people, who, all the people who have speaking parts in, in this uh, five. Do you have a thought here? Okay. I have a couple different ones. Mm-hmm. Thinking Tom Cruise because he has the energy. Yeah, Cruz is definitely he going for it more than anyone, yes. And then I'm also thinking Swayze, because, like, he has the most lines than I think anyone else, and, like, he does them well. He seems like he shows genuine concern in the house. He's talking about how maybe Ponyboy shouldn't go. He has the great moment where he's with Paul, and then there's all that. Like, I'm leaning towards Swayze, but also Tom Cruise. Like, he went for it. So you picked you picked the two people that that I thought were at the top of this. Or I also maybe, I also like Paul. I like the guy who plays yeah. Paul. It's it's super small, but like man, does he look great to be that that maybe person? Maybe Estevez for his amazing background work with his shoes. I don't think the shoe tower <laughs> yeah, is the five. So. It kind of comes it's down to tower. I think the better acting is Swayze. Yeah. Um, the 
it is such a weird cruise. Like he is, he's, he's kind of out of control. So it comes down to what is more winning to you in this five minutes. Mm. Is it, does Swayze get enough material where, because he, he doesn't have that much. Yeah. Does he get enough material where you feel like, well, he really kind of won this? Or is is the, whatever Cruz is, is pouring out there, is that actually the thing that, um, the thing that you think is, is the mo- the biggest takeaway from this five? It's hard because like when I think about this five minutes, the, mo- the thing I think about the most is like Tom Cruise being insane. But then you also think about, like, all the moments that Swayze's in and, like, it adds up to more and I think he does better. It's just that, like, Cruz is yelling and that's what I remember. Yeah. So. I'm going to go with whatever you want to do here. I, I like, I'm go, good with either. It's hard because it, it's either, like, who stood out to me the most and, like, who I remember from this moment or who had really, like... Some really good moments, you know? Yeah. It's a really... I would say, here's a way to think about it, Mm -hmm. maybe. When I think about The Outsiders and I go through the cast, and you often talk about, like, what are the moments that you really remember that you attach to a character? This is the Steve moment. This is the Steve moment. Well, actually, the chocolate cake one was one. This yeah, is another this is... one. When he says, the, ain't nobody going to call the fuzz. In this neighborhood. In this neighborhood because they know better. Like, that is, it's, yeah. it's, it's like too big, but that's what I remember about him. Mm-hmm. Where in truth, like, I feel like Swayze's great here, but he's got other moments where he's better in this movie. Yeah. Might go Tom Cruise then. Could we have Tom Cruise actually win two fives? Yes. You'd see Thomas Howell's not even can, really close. He can't win one. I, I, I'm, I'm good with – you want to go with yeah, Cruise here? Yeah, let's go with Cruise. I'm good with Cruise here. I really do think, like, it's one of those ta- takeaways. It's super gifable as well. Yeah. Um, the oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- In fact, I, if that gift doesn't exist, I may need to make it mm-hmm. because I kind of love it. I think it does. Definitely Googled Outsiders Tom Cruise gifts and spent a long time yeah, going through yeah. them. Yeah, there's some, there's some great <laughs> there's ones. There's some gems. So we're giving this award to Tom Cruise. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at channel3900 at gmail.com. Do you think Swayze should have won the five? Do you think Paul should have won the five? Uh, John Meyer. Um, do you think we're we're uh, underplaying the role of Glenn Withrow as Tim Shepard, who's in a lot more of this movie than I remembered? Yeah. Um, do you think that Emilio Estevez's tower work deserves the five? <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. That is all the time that we have. But we will be back next week to talk about minute 90 to minute 95. Until then, stay gold. Stay gold.